So last week I had mentioned something which is, uh, you know, very important, and it, it gives us uh, tremendous clarity in, <clears throat> in certain ideas. I mentioned last week that there's a problem. We know the general rule that it is the majority of an individual's deeds, you know, looking at the quality and the quantity of those deeds that determine the direction or the ultimate destination of anybody. That's really what it is. Okay, so the majority, if it's good, will get you into Ilam Habo, and the majority, if it's bad, you will be annihilated. However, the problem is not the majority. The problem, of course, is the minority. The minority deeds that you do, right, if, if let's say if the majority is good, right, and the minority is bad, well, that has to be dealt with. The bad deeds, the avarice, so to speak. And on the reverse, if the majority is bad and the minority is good, that has to be also dealt with in terms of the uh, attribute of justice. Obviously, both have to be dealt with. So generally speaking, <coughs> if the majority is good and you get ilm habo, right? Since in order to get into ilm habo, or rather the condition is that you have to become you have to be part of a perfected community, Sholem, Shlemus, in Oilam Habo. What does that mean? That means that you have to be in Oilam Habo attached or in an intimate relationship with God, the Rabbana Shalom, for eternity. You see, the problem, of course, is if a person is bad or he has bad deeds, then it won't work. Because even though, in terms of the good deeds, that's fine. But in terms of the bad deeds, it's not going to work. <clears throat> and I'd mentioned why. <clears throat> because when a person does something which is an Avera, <clears throat> what he does in many ways is that since he's doing his will and not the will of God, it is a statement of Yeshayd Mavadoid. Besides God, there's also me, and I can do whatever I want. That's really what every Avera ultimately testifies to. When you do something which is against the will of God, you are really saying that I can do anything I want, right? Even against the will of God, because I also exist. So what happens as a result of that is that there's a thing called a klipa. What a clipper in English it's called a, a shell. And when a person makes such a declaration, automatically, when he does an Avera, and therefore what he's really saying is, I believe I exist independent of God, therefore, automatically, there is some type of a barrier, a force, that surrounds his neshama and filters out a certain amount of the divine light. Because when you are exposed to God, His divine energy, when you are exposed to that divine energy, that divine energy is really is an enoid mavadoi, ha'ora, illumination. And when you do an avera and you are now surrounded by what's called a klipa, a klipa is that type of an evil force that blocks that type of what's called ha'ora or divine light, then you do, not, you do not feel 
that Enoid Mavadoi. You don't feel God and you don't feel his true nature that besides God there is nothing else. So that blocks you. Now, you can't go to Olam Haba, right, with that type of an energy, because with that, with that type of blockage, because in Olam Haba, the only thing that really exists is what? Is that divine enlightenment, Ha'ora, presence of God, and it is that presence of God which is Enoid Mavadoi. So and then how in the world can you be experiencing Enoid Mavadoi when you have a blockage to that light, this sort of like, uh, you know, uh, satanic blockage. So obviously you can't have it. It has to be removed. And that's the problem, you see. And therefore, somebody who has done a majority of good deeds, right, and he has a minority of bad deeds, he has a certain amount of admixture, you know, of darkness, of klipa. And obviously he cannot be an oilam habo with that barrier. Because the rule is that in Oilam Habo, the divine light is completely uh, pervasive throughout. There is no blockage. <clears throat> and we'll see something else later on. But there could be a diminishment of light, you see. In other words, God can restrict His presence to you in one of two ways. Either you're blocked because of this tumor, this... Uh, this uh, um, uh, darkness, this barrier, so that blocks his presence. Or even if you remove that, you know, depend. Uh, if you only deserve a certain amount of reward, then what happens is that God diminishes his presence to you. It's not blocked because there's a barrier. It's diminished because you do not deserve more ha'ora, more of the divine energy. So it works two ways. So. There can be no barriers, but there can be a diminishment of God's presence if you don't deserve it. And we'll learn, we'll see a little later, that there's no such thing as equal in Ilum Habo. Everybody gets the amount that he deserves through justice, what he earned or what he caused, you see. He doesn't get more or less, therefore nobody can complain because the amount that they got is due to their own actions, you see. But there's no blockage there. But there, there is a tremendous inequality there. Like I say, because since everybody varies in terms of what they've done, then the amount of presence of God will be variable. And that, any, that will take place. Uh, so there's no two people really, in a certain sense, that are equal in the future world. However, the barrier cannot be, you see. So therefore, there has to be a way of removing the barriers if, in fact, you do have the majority of good deeds. And the answer to that I mentioned, there are two ways to remove barriers. One is through tshuva, to repent. If you repent, then the barrier is removed. However, what happens if you don't repent? Then the only other way to remove it is through suffering. Yisurim. So God created Yisurim, the phenomenon called Yisurim, as a way to remove the barriers. And therefore, you can be in Oilam Habo, you know, because there's no uh, obstruction and so on. So I mentioned uh, last week 
that one of the problems is what happens if somebody has 51% good and he's got 49% evil. So technically he can get Olim Habo. But how do you remove 41% of a lifetime of evil? That's a lot of bad stuff. So how do you get into, how do you remove it? Now the problem is that <clears throat> even if he would suffer physically, it's not enough suffering that could remove that much bad, that much evil acts, actions. Just can't remove that much, you see. But what Durbanisham did, and this is a tremendous kindness, is that Gehenim, purgatory, is the answer to this. So therefore, it is possible to suffer not only in this world, but in the soul world. In other words, as a neshama, where you have no goof, the neshama can also suffer. And because of that, the neshama can't die, because he can't die twice, obviously. So therefore, the neshama can suffer in Gehenim, and therefore it can have a kapora, where that klipa, that shell, is removed. <coughs> you see... Now, when you think about that, that's a tremendous chesed. Because it allows a person to get Oilem Habo, even though, technically, <coughs> it would be impossible to have a kapora in this world because the guy, would be, the guy would be dead with so much suffering. He just couldn't survive. Whereas in the neshama world, in the soul world, he can't. Because he's already dead, so he's not going to die from that. You see, so therefore it is possible uh, to, to have that type of suffering and so on. Um, it works also in the other way. What happens if a person has done 90% evil? You see? 10% good. So we know that the 10% good is reward in this world. Then when he dies, of course he's not going to get Oilam Habo, right? What happens to 90% evil? You take, a, you take a look at all these incredibly evil people throughout the man's history, thousands of years, uh, you know, and so on. <clears throat> how many people were killed, you know, just tortured and destroyed. We, we cannot even comprehend the amount of evil that man has done to man, and so on. So, uh, how are they going to get, how, now, they also have to have a compensation for the evil they did. You know, you don't think just because you don't get Olim Habo, you're not going to get punished. Of course you will. Because if you don't, where's justice? You know, take a man like, you know, Hitler, you know, how's a man like that go, okay, so he's not, obviously not going to get him Habo, you know what I'm saying? But what about all the evil he did? Like I mentioned, World War II killed 55 million people, all told, and so on, you know? Can you imagine how many lives that is? 55 million people? Not only them, but all their descendants, right? All the kids that they could have had. And their kids could have had kids. How much good could have been done throughout all the generations for the next hundreds of years and so on. And this man put an abrupt stop to all of it, right? So obviously he doesn't get Olim Habo, the future world, but he will have to compensate <coughs> all the evil. Now, there's nothing you can do in the physical world. You can't take a man like Hitler and give him physical pain. The amount of pain that he would have to sustain for the evil he did would immediately kill him. So what are you going to do? You can't bring it back again, kill him again, again and again, because this world has a thing called natural law. 
You know, I mean, you know, you can't, God's not going to violate natural law. But in a soul world, Hitler can go, you know, he can, he can be destroyed over and over and over again, you know, ad infinitum, <clears throat> and so on. So the soul world not only benefits people, right? Purgatory, Gehenim. In the sense that it allows you to expiate the uh, minority, but for those people whose majority is incredibly evil, it allows them to be punished. You know, far beyond what the uh, physical world can do. <clears throat> you know. Question is, what happens in Gehenna really, you know? You know, there's, uh, there's different, you know, religions that believe you burn for forever. I once told you last time, you know, this is absurd. There is no action that anybody did that can justify an infinite ibud or annihilate, uh, what do you call it, uh, suffering. You know, no such thing. No matter how bad it was, and it could be very, very bad, right? After a while, it ends. You know, what justice requires, it's over and that's it. And then you're annihilated. So the question is, that's number one. The question is, so what is Gehenna really, you know? Is it a place that you burn? No, not really. It's figurative, you see, you know. But I want, uh, you, you, can, you can put an interesting example uh, in terms of what happens in Gehenna, you know. <clears throat> it's like, imagine you have a hospital, you have a hospital room, right? And there's a guy in the uh, ICU, right? And he's plugged into all the the uh, tubes, everything, you know. Obviously, he's pretty bad off, you know. And he's in tremendous pain. He's on painkillers. I mean, he's like really um, um, sick and, 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 and just in a terrible situation, you know. And then he's next to a window. I don't know if they have windows in the ICU. Imagine he's next to a window and he hears this, the next building, which is close to this hospital, he hears this incredible party going on, you know, and he can see from his window that there's a party going on, right, and there's music and there's all kinds of smorgasbord, and he can see it from his window, you know. So, he's, so the question, why, why not just get up and go to the party? He can't. Nobody's stopping him. His body is incapable, you see, of going to that party and enjoying the party, you see. So he suffers a great deal by the fact that he sees this incredible stuff happening and he can't be part of it. That's tremendous isur, you know. Uh, you know, to see tremendous uh, uh, place of uh, event of tremendous joy and you'd love to partake, you know. And you can't, you see? And a person has a tremendous feeling of suffering as a result of that. That's Gehenna. you see. Gehenna is not that you burn, but that you cannot be part of something that you realize is incredible, you see. That's what Gehenna is. It's not like, you, you know, like I say, it's not like you're gonna burn, there's somebody putting you on fire and all that, no. The pain that you suffer from Gehenna is the realization that you cannot have God. You know, it's like the worst punishment where, you know, 
God will reveal himself to you in Gehenim, but in a way that in no way can you in any way experience God. Now, we don't relate to that really because we don't know what that means, you know. But if we understand that Oilam Habo is a place that the greatest pleasure of all is to experience God, think about that, whatever that means, then can you imagine looking at that experience, seeing it, and being unable to experience that? That's Gehenim. So Gehenim isn't so much uh, a, uh, a uh, suffering as a result of something that happens to you. It's more suffering because of what you can't have. You see, you know. Uh, imagine if you're on, uh, you know, you're on this strict diet, you know, and you can only eat, uh, you know, uh, um, oatmeal. I mean, whatever you hate, you know, let's say, not that I hate you, know, oatmeal, but let's say all you can do is eat some oatmeal with some, uh, uh, you know, some soybeans, or whatever, you know. And then all of a sudden you're invited, to, you're invited to this wedding that you have to go to because it's a brother, a sister, close relative, right? And you walk in and this guy's got a smorgasbord fit for a king, right? I mean, whatever you think a great smorgasbord is, right? Everybody's got his own ideas of what the top I'm not talking about a couple of one or two chicken dishes. I'm talking about, you know, everything. Sweetbreads, tongue, I mean, I was, you know, it's great stuff, right? You know, I mean, just sushi, if you're into sushi, I mean, just phenomenal stuff. And you're there, and you got this incredibly restricted diet, you know? I mean, that, that's, that's what's called being masochistic. <laughs> It's a masochist. Like, what am I doing here? Me one, and everybody's chomp, you know chomping it away, right? You know, and you're sitting there, too, you know, and you gotta carry, take out your little bag of oatmeal, whatever you got there. <laughs> you know, add a little water to the oatmeal and then cook it up, and then eat the oatmeal. And in front of you is this unbelievable selection of incredible food. You know what I'm saying? That's Gehenna. Except replace the smorgasbord with the presence of God. You see? So I don't know if that's good news or bad news. I don't know, you know, it's not fire, so get, get rid of that nonsense. Purgatory, where you burn in Gehenna, you know, and your body's literally, it's, this is not an order de fa that takes place in Spain. But it's a tremendous suffering because you realize what you're missing, which is the greater, and, and, and a smorgasbord compared to the divine presence is nothing, you see. Now, we, we can't relate to it because we don't know what the Divine Presence joy, uh, it's an infinite joy. It's an infinite pleasure which we cannot relate to. But whatever it is, we can understand the fact that all of a sudden we are exposed to that presence, right? But in a way that we, we, we can't get it. It's like this guy in the ICU, he just can't go and join the party. You know what I'm saying? That's the idea of Gehenna. But he could have had it. Of course he could have had it. Sure. That, and and that, that's part of the pain, is that the reason why he can't have it is his own fault. Not because somebody else did anything to him. You know, he can't blame anybody, right? It's his own fault, right? Because of his deeds, he caused this entire uh, inability to enjoy the presence of God. That's Gehenna. <coughs> you see? I thought it was more related to shame. What was that? I thought it was a feeling of shame. <coughs> well, 
let's put it this way. It's, it's many things. It's the inability to enjoy God, to get close to God, which in, in the soul world, you know what it is, you know. And then, of course, it's the incredible regret. You know what I'm saying? It's the incredible regret that he has for not doing the things that he could have had it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how many times, you know, where, you, let's assume you, you put a stock, let's say you buy a stock, right? Right? And, uh, ah, it's not doing so great. You know, they say, like, for instance, you know, um, when Amazon first came out, right? That's, you know, you know and, and let's say somebody gave you a gift of 10,000 Amazon stocks, you know? In the beginning, this guy wasn't doing so great. You know, at the time, Amazon was not doing great at all, right? He said, what do I need this for, right? And he goes, no, you go sell it for what? For $1,000, whatever, right? For, you, know, for, for, you know, for five cents a share. And then all of a sudden, today, was it worth $100, $500 a share? I mean, what, you know, and you, what, what do you do? You, you, you can't stop blaming yourself and feeling terrible that you could have been a multimillionaire Right? And now you're on welfare collecting checks. Right? Wait. What do you feel like? Terrible. Every day you wake up knowing you could have been a multimillionaire. Right? And now, you know, you forget about it. You know, you, you're, you're, you're poor. You know, you got to go, the day is filled with, you got to go asking for handouts. Right? That's an incredible situation of pain. That <coughs> is the pain in Oilam Habo. Well, you realize that all this unbelievable joy, simcha, right, and pleasure could have been yours, and it's not. You had it in your hand, and you gave it up. You see? <coughs> so that's certainly part of the deal, you know? So it's not only you don't have God, the regret and the incredible feeling, what a mistake I made, you see, is part of the mix. Then the third part of the mix, right, you know, and that's the embarrassment and shame, you know, is that you don't have, it's not just the joy of God, it's the feeling of being. You know, to, to attach to God, to be intimate with God is more than just joy and pleasure. It does something to your existence. You've become a different type of being, you see, and that's also lacking, you know, and so on. So there, there's a mix of terrible uh, suffering and it doesn't end it goes on until the the judgment is over you know you know and, and so on and then then uh, then if you're evil you're annihilated could you imagine after all this suffering you're gone you're annihilated Can you imagine what this guy's thinking while he's suffering maybe in a certain sense he says I hope I suffer for, inf for infinite because after this I'm gone could you imagine the realization knowing, you know, that you're going to your death? Absolute death. And that's after all the Gehenim. I mean, can you, can you imagine, can you imagine a person experiencing that. It's unbelievable, you know. We experience, you know, when we experience, we try hard, we experience failure, right? We feel bad. These guys experience failure of something which is just beyond belief. You know, because they know these guys who did the majority of evil, they know <clears throat> that they're suffering in Ganem, all this stuff, 
And then they know that there is no salvation from this. And after all this is over, who knows how many years they got to suffer this, you know. And there are different intensities in Gehenna. There are different levels of Gehenna. You know, there's a light level and there's a heavy level, you know. Uh, and then there's a level that, you know, we, we can't even describe the, 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 the suffering and the issue and the pain in that level of Gehenna. And then after all of this can be done, they cease to exist. Imagine a guy knowing that. Maybe that would be a relief. Maybe, you know. I'm sure, uh, uh, but <clears throat> relief on one side, right? But on the other side, like I say, he's experiencing what he did, you see? And he knows that after all of this, not only you can't have to enjoy the, uh, the uh, incredible blissful st uh, state now, but he will cease to exist. That's, that's a terrible, terrible realization. And this is Gehenim. You see, but like I say, it has different levels. There are people that experience this, you know, but they know, imagine a guy knows, that, okay, after 11 months, right? I'm out of here. And I'm in Gan Eden, you know? So there's a certain sense of relief or whatever. They know it's going to end, and then in the end, I'll, I'll get Gan Eden and then Oilam Habo and so on, right? Uh, okay, so a guy can bear it, so to speak, you know? But these guys can't even bear that because they're gone. They'll be over with. <clears throat> we cannot imagine the suffering of people who are evil, majority evil, right? And they know, and they go through this, and then they're gone. We, we don't even know what that is. But whatever it is, it's the worst possible situation that a person can have. You see? Like I say, you know, and that, uh, so therefore Gehenna is for those guys who have the majority evil, right? And uh, so that they can expiate, you know, the evil that they've done, and then they're out of it altogether. It's a double whammy, as they say. It's really what it is. How does this misaki now in the Kisufa? Well, remember, now in the Kisufa is the concept of din. They get what they deserved. But, but this for them form of suffering is not obviously. It, there's no now in the Kisufa. There's no bread of shame, you know. The, the, they would get a bread of shame if they didn't get this suffering. Yeah, but this this particular form of suffering, how yeah. is this, because regular suffering is <clears throat> in this world is if you were in control, then it should stop, and therefore it's kind of driving home in your body. So what is the Gehenna form of suffering? How is that? Is the denial of the Enoit Mavadoi over there? Like I said, you know, there they know what it means to be connected to God. But the, the Gehenim is the denial of Enoid Mavadoi. No, it, it, it kind of revs them up to... Because they've turned themselves into being of Yesho Mavado, they have to like basically go through a therapy session, so to speak. To realize that it's Enoid Mavado. To, 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 in other words, they can know there's Enoid Mavado, but to really accept into their being that there is an Enoid Mavado. Yeah. And could you say that the whole experience of between Gan Eden and Gehenna is really one experience of a revelation? Yeah. And then yeah. Gan Eden is where they get a main uh, of what they are going to get on Haba. Exactly. And Gehenna is just the not, denial. It's not in the Giloy. The difference is in them. I mean, yeah. It's the same Giloy all around. It's just that they, because of they, their status, so they experience it as a denial, not because. Because they're not a clay kibble, because they can't accept it. 
No, they can't. It's like the guy in the ICU, he can't go into the party. Right, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. it's the same gilo. The tzaddikim are able to accept it, so they get a main, they get a, a mid Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. But it's not, you see, that's the mistake that religions make, you know. It's not another thing. It's not like God puts you on fire. You know, because that's the classic Christian understanding of purgatory, is you're going to burn in hell, you know, for eternity, which is absolute nonsense, you know. You don't need a fire. The lack of God is the fire. So they don't understand. The denial of a being of that nature, what it could do for you, and that it's the infinite joy. We, like I said, we, we don't know what that means because we're not an Oedem Haba, you know. But the lack of that type of being... Um, is just beyond belief. So my question is, after a person is done, that is judged to be a tzaddik, except yeah. he has shmutz that has to get rid of. Correct, barriers. <laughs> so down to Gan Gehenna. Yeah, that's right. So now, but he knows... Yeah, that but that's seven levels of Gehenna, remember what? I'm not getting it now, and that's distressing, but to a certain degree, he has in the Chama, so to speak, saying that I will get this. Yes. Meaning yes. it's the only the only the only distress is that I'm not getting it now. But that's obviously extremely painful. It's extreme because it's 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 an yeah. extreme thing, so to speak, in yeah. the presence of God. But at least that Nahama he has that like you said, another eleven months and I will have it. Yeah. Yes. So it's preferable to get punished in this world. Yeah. Then correct. Than in the next. Yeah, Ganim is much worse. No, yes. where does this leave everybody in this generation? Are we like the kids that were kept after school? We had to go to summer school because here we are all back at the end, you know, and, you know, everybody else made it, but here we are, we're still, you know, we're still in school, you know. Are we, are we like on the 49, 50% border and that's why we're here now? No. Actually, if you really think about it, we're, our generation is the one that's finishing up the process. It's a tremendous chus that we are actually finishing up the tikkun process, you know, and that's a tremendous reward, you know. So in a certain sense, it's a privilege. I know, you know, it, this, uh, this world is a very difficult place, you know. It's incredibly immoral and crazy. It's just incompetence is beyond belief. The, you know, the, uh, the degradation that man has, is, has reached is really terrible, you know. But for those people who are still doing mitzvahs and all that, you know, and so on, it's a privilege because we are finishing off the tikkun. You know? It's like, who's the guy who gets the credit? You have a baseball game, right? Let's use this as, right? What do you got, nine innings? Yeah, the closer. Right? And it's five, and it's, uh, you know, whatever, 5-5, uh, five, five, right? And the last guy gets up to bat, you know? And there's the, uh, five, and there's one guy on base. Oh, it doesn't make difference. It's five-five, right? Right, and he goes and hits the home run, and he comes in. The other guy comes in, and they win. You ever notice he gets all the credit? You ever notice that because wild for that guy? Well, wait a minute. What about all the other guys that got you the five? You know, but that guy somehow everybody goes wild because he finished the game. So in a certain sense, we finished the game. We are the last generation. We are finishing the game. There were sages you know? that said they don't want to be alive during that. Yes, and that's, because, and that's because of the concept called mute or. Because they knew that in the end of time, the situation that everybody finds himself in is an enormous amount of diminishment of 
uh, divine light, divine energy, the amount of tumor, of defilement uh, and pollution in this generation the, is terrible, you know, when you just walk, you look into the world, I mean, everybody, you know, you know, who thinks of God anymore, really? Do people miss God? Is there such a thing today, you know? Um, you walk anywhere, you know, everybody, everybody thinks, everybody basically is into physical attainment, you know, more money, more goods, more property, security, you know, everybody just thinking in terms of, I want to get ahead, I want to have a great life, pleasure, power, right? Uh, and uh, I want to uh, be recognized. That's what life is really all about. How many guys are really into spirituality, real spirituality, you know, and so on? Very few. So in, in, a, in a certain sense, we are the ones finishing off this, this whole teaching process, the whole process where we bring God back. Uh, you know, so at least that's a comforting thought, right? Even though we have a very difficult time and so on, you know. But anyway, I wanted to explain, <clears throat> that's what the concept of Gehenim is. It's not something external to you that all of a sudden makes you suffer. It's within you that you suffer, you know, because you've led a life, you know, for whatever. Uh, hopefully a majority was good and the minority uh, was uh, uh, sins and so on, you know. That is within you and that's the suffering. Because over there you realize what the incredible reward is that you could have done, you know, and, uh, and you didn't. And it was in your hands, you know. You had the free will to do it, basically. And you let it go. Like I tell you, just think of the guy who had uh, thousands of stocks of Amazon and he just blew it. Sold it for what? You know, a dollar. He would have been a multimillionaire. That's quite aggravating. You know what I'm saying? Or, or th think of this, you know. The guy, the 1.6 billion lottery ticket, you know, whoever that guy won, you know. Imagine you had, you had put down all the correct numbers, right? And all of a sudden, you, and you actually put down the correct numbers. And, you, had, and you, you came to buy the lottery ticket with your kid, okay? And then your kid, who's like nine years old, says, nah, you know, what, I, don't, I don't know what the last number was. He says, nah, you don't want that number. Put this number, right? So he gives you another number. So how many numbers are there? Six? So you had five correct numbers, and you had the sixth number, which was correct. But you listened to your kid, and you changed the last number. And guess what? Right? You're going to kill your kid. <laughs> yeah? You could have won $1.6 billion dollars. You have any idea what kind of pain that is? Think about it. You, know? you, you can't, you, you, there, there are people that can go crazy. You know, they become psychotic with that. The realization that they could have had 1.6, and because their kid didn't shut his mouth. You know what I'm saying? Told you another number. I mean, you know how much pain that is? At Gehenim, you know? You have to understand, you know, you know, and it's not physical, you know, it's not like something physically happened to you, you know, and so, you know, <coughs> the pain is from the mistake, you know, and when you're in Gehenna, you're looking at the mistake, 
you know, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the problem in Gehenim. Once you hit Gehenim, it's over with. There's no way, you know, to get around it. The only possible way to be saved, which we'll talk about, you know, is what happens if you did some good deeds and other people listened to those good deeds and they were influenced, you know, uh, and you've changed their lives, so you cash in on their merit. You know, there's a lot of things going on, you know. And hopefully, you know, that's why if you have kids, let's say, you know, he's dead, and his kids say Kaddish, right? So that kid's Kaddish will elevate you from Ghanim. It'll get you out of Ghanim. You see? But a person has to have, uh, he has to have done that. Uh, you know? <clears throat> that's what a person... <clears throat> What was that? And on Shabbos, there's no Gehenna? On Shabbos, no. Yeah, that's what they say, yeah. No Gehenna on Shabbos. Have Gilgal, Gilgal also is a way out? Well, no, no, because Gehenna is the Xera. I mean, if it was a Gilgal, he wouldn't go to Gehenna, he'd come back again, but obviously that wasn't the judgment. So when is that decided? What? When is Gilgal decided? No, that's after he's dead, he's, that's a which I'm going to talk about, that's the judgment. Your person is judged three times, you know? Oh, just hold on. Uh, so therefore, you know, so Ganem is not something <clears throat> that you want to look forward to in that sense, you know, because it is obviously a very, very severe type of thing, you know. So for the good people, for those guys who did majority good, okay, you know, you go through it, you know. <clears throat> but for those people who have done majority evil, I mean, you don't want to even think about what these guys are experiencing. They have no idea that, you know, they play around with God. <clears throat> they play around with God, and, you know, they, they, they defy God. The worst thing you can do for that type of situation is dis do evil to Jews. That, that's unbelievable. We cannot even believe what the uh, retribution is for people, the anti-Semites out there who want to malign Jews and slander Jews, you know, or harm them in any way. We don't even understand the punishment that these people receive uh, because of what they do. Because not only are they doing terrible deeds, evil, by harming people and so on, we're talking about the Jewish people who are the ones who rectify creation. What are they doing? Can you imagine what God will do to them uh, you know, when, when, when their time comes up? You know, we don't even imagine what's going to happen to these guys. And they think they can play around with God, which is always astounding to me. <clears throat> it's always astounding to me because most people have read the Bible in one way or another. They're familiar with the Bible. Everybody, you know. And when you look at the Bible, which is the Torah, right, you see the relationship that God has with the Jews. You see, they know this. They're not stupid. You know, everybody, the, the Torah, the Bible itself is worldwide. See, so what are they doing? You know, they're playing around with God. They're assuming that there is no God, right? Or God abandoned it, just whatever. Because they are taking a terrible risk. They are playing around with the children of God that it says clearly in the Bible who the Jews are, you see. And they are taking a terrible chance by playing around with the Jewish people. I mean, it's just, it, it, you know, it's a suicide trip for them. That's really what it is. You know, but it's not just death. 
they are looking at an incredible amount of suffering because not only have they been evil to people, but they have stopped the Jews from doing the tikkun, which is a terrible sin. So I, I always wonder at these guys, hey, you know, you want to do evil, it's one thing, you know. Don't play around with God's kids. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, you want a good example of this? Imagine a guy goes, no, here's a good example. A guy goes to the jungle, you know. He goes to the jungle and all of a sudden he sees at a certain place, you know, he sees a bunch of uh, tiger cubs. Tiger cubs. He says, hey, I'm going to take one. I'll take these cubs, bring them to the zoo, make some money. I'll sell them to the zoo, you know. Uh, so he goes to the place, you know, with a t and he sees like three, three little tiger cubs, you know. And, you know, and he starts to put them into his bag, you know, and so on, so, you know. All of a sudden he hears a, a noise. Turns around. And there's Mother Tiger looking at him. She's 10 feet from him, right? There's nothing in between her and Mother Tiger. What do you think he's gonna think about? You know, he's, he's dinner. He's dinner for the tiger and dinner for the cubs, you know? <clears throat> Don't play around with the tiger cubs. Because if that mother ever sees you playing around with her cubs, you know? You are now, be you are now about to become, you know, uh, absorbed into her protoplasm. She's going to eat you. You see? Don't play around with her cubs. It's the same thing. The Jews are the tiger cubs of God. You know? The thing is, God, uh, you know, doesn't go away. God is always looking at for the Jews, you know? You play around with God, and you play around with God's kids? What, are you crazy? Uh, you know, leave the Jews alone. Don't play around with the tiger cubs. You know? That's what they are. You know, the Jews are the cubs of God. You know, they have to grow up to be, and to do the tikkun and all that. You're playing around with these guys. Suicide people. That's what they are. Uh, that's the example you can use to realize what these guys are doing. The gravity, the seriousness of the situation, and so on, you know. But in any case, uh, these are some of the concepts of Gehenna. What, they, what it really is. And, uh, and for the people who get the majority of good and they have to deal with the uh, minority of evil, listen, okay, you know. Uh, at least in the end, he finishes. The barriers, because that's what happens. The barriers are removed, you see, and all the clippers are removed. And then he gets Ganeden and Noilim Haba, you know. But for the other people, it's like, you know, it is a fate, it's a fate that's infinitely worse than death. And then it leads to death. Imagine that, you know. So I can say, you know. Eleven months. What's that? It's eleven months, right? Yeah. Does it feel like eleven months? Well, that that's well, it's based on what the time is in the, the other world. You know, if there's time or whatever, and so on. You know, but whatever it is, it is. It's obviously, it has to be a length of time. So obviously, there is time. Mm -hmm. You know, and so on. You know. Uh, but in any case. <coughs> So this is the concept of purgatory, of Gehenna, you know. So a person has to really think many times before he wants to, you know, uh, delve into uh, that type of uh, possible experience, you know. You try to avoid Gehenna, you, you see, and uh, certainly to uh, try to get into Ghanedin directly and so on, you know. Now also remember there's also judgment times, there's three judgment times, 
right? First judgment time is called uh, Rosh Hashanah. So you are judged on Rosh Hashanah in terms of your deeds. But I'm, I'm in the Rosh Hashanah shi, you realize that it's not that you are judged per se. You are judged in relationship to the Tikkun of the Bria. God evaluates the entire creation to see to what it, how far is it in the process of rectif rectifying creation. And you are judged vis-a-vis, -vis, well, what's your new position going to be? You see? And you don't want to, you know, you want a good position and not a bad position. You know, you want to, you'd much rather be a vice president but then working in the mailroom. You see? And you don't want to be demoted to the mailroom. You see? So it's true that you're judged in terms of how you've been doing in your particularly assigned area. That's true. You see? You know? But it is a judgment. And therefore, what, what is assessed is if you have to be moved around. Moved around to a different assignment. And so on. And that's really many ways the judgment of Rosh Hashanah. The second judgment period is when a person dies and there he's judged again by the majority and the minority and for the majority is one thing but for the minority he is now judged in terms of minority what's going to happen to him you know uh, if he's dead should he have to come back as an incarnation you know what I'm saying uh, does he go to Gehenna Ganeden what happens to the guy, and so on. Or he has to come back, like I said, as an incarnation, into another body, right? To another assignment, in order to uh, continue his tikkun process, or to remove, to expiate, you know, a lot of the bad things that he does. And he's judged then. And then, of course, after the resurrection of the dead, so then you have Mashiach comes, right? Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, Right? And then at the end of time, you know, you have the resurrection of the dead. And then when in the year 6000, because the world ends in the year 6000, which is the English year 2240, not far from now, right? Uh, what was that, two, 222 years to go? Very, very close, and so on, you know. Then every person who lived is judged in terms of the totality of all their deeds, total. Why? Because obviously a person can do good. You know, somebody helped Jews, right? Somebody gave shiurim, you know? And many Jews were influenced and then they did good deeds based on what you said. And then they transmitted it to their kids and their kids to their kids and then their students. So all of that you can't tally up until the end because a person's good may go on for generation after generation. You see, you can't tally that up until the end. So what God does is He looks at your actions, the complete and total consequences of your actions over the, all the thousands of years that you've lived, you see. And who knows how many people either did mitzvahs or averis based on what your life was, you know. The worst thing, obviously, is to do an Avera, right, where everybody now sins because of you. So you are held accountable for all of their sins, you see? <clears throat> In a certain sense, it's like the internet, you know? 
In the old days, you know, you said something bad, you spoke Lashon about one guy. Okay, you know, today you put it on the internet, you know, and millions of people hear and see the Lashon that you just talked about, that one guy. Could you believe this? Millions of people can hear Lashon and they believe you, that you spoke about one guy, and Lashon is forbidden, slander is forbidden, even if it's true. If it's false, it's called defamation. Could you imagine the amount of sins a guy can chalk up today because of the internet? It's beyond belief. It's, it's the greatest tragedy of mankind that a guy can do one sin, right? And have millions of people sin because of what he did on the internet for that one time. And then if he's on the internet all day long, you know what I'm saying? You looking, and then then the kid who believe, then the let's say the the person who believes it will now tell his people, and you know you know was that the virus right? You know, and all of a sudden it's like it's like a uh, it spreads. You know, first you sent it out to five thousand people, then it's a virus, millions and millions of people. It went viral. Your lashonara went viral. You believe what this guy did? It's the, greatest, it's the greatest tragedy for a guy to, to have an internet and to do this type of stuff. To spread lies, to defame people, to slander people, you know? Uh, it's just be, there's no, no, you're finished. How do you, how do, you do a kapora for a million people that you've just slandered and a million people have believed what you just said? You're finished. You know? Used to take, used to be that you know if a guy wanted to destroy himself it would take years. You know what I'm saying he really have to work at it hard. You know what I'm saying to destroy himself. Today you can do it in one day, one minute, just by one deed and destroy yourself. You hold oil mahaba everything, you know. So you can a guy can get millions and millions of avarice sins in one shot. You know what I'm saying. It, that's ridiculous. That's why the internet is one of the greatest destructive devices ever known. Especially in the area of communications. Because that's really what it is. It's a global communicative device. You see? Where a guy can now destroy himself in one day flat. Doesn't need a lifetime. You see? If he prints a retraction two years later. Who listens to the it, it, yeah. It's too late. The damage is done. It's done, of course. Yeah, <clears throat> of course, sure. Of course it's done, so you know. So what is a person, how do you, how do you do talk a person about tshuva, now what does he do? If he did tshuva? Yeah. Well, there's a person about tshuva, he realizes. You mean for this particular individual that he just destroyed his reputation? Let's say he destroyed, let's say he destroyed some of your, let's say Yoshin Hara, right? Yeah. Well, the only the, look, the, the, look. And he and, and he comes to your share. <laughs> and he realized what he did. Yeah. Now he realized. Now, now what? He's still alive. Yeah. What he uh, look? Then, then the question: What's the tshuva of Lashonara? First, what he has to do is you know do the tshuva of Lashonara. What he you know that he says, I will never do it again, and so on. You know. Maybe but what about he did? What can he do? He, what he has to do is say to God, listen, in no way can I undo what I did. It's not possible. However, you are an infinitely merciful being. 
right? You know how to do, you know how I could do tshuva for this. I have no idea. You are infinitely merciful. The person will say, I want to do tshuva, real tshuva, you know. I feel terrible, you know. So I'm going to do what I can do, whatever I can do. I'll, I'll get on the internet and try to say good things about the person I just destroyed and so on, you know. But the tshuva, the only way to do tshuva is your input. You need to help me do tshuva. But and God will respond. Your and God, wait, and God will respond. He will somehow get this guy to do tshuva. I don't know how. I mean, because we're looking at a, 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 the tshuva, which is so infinitely complex, you know. But God can do it. That's what God is, you know. And if a person sincerely wants to do tshuva on the Lashon Har that he's done, God will enable him in some way to do tshuva, however he does it, you know. God, uh, Yehuda, what he did for Joseph, God put him in a situation <coughs> where he was going to save uh, Benjamin, right? Was it? Uh, in, in Egypt. That yeah. Yehuda, he oh, you mean you're dead? There, yeah, yeah. So he set him up. You know, are you, are you, I'm yeah. going to put you in the same situation, see what you do now. Okay, I don't know. That was Chuva, no? Yeah, he was trying to undo, exactly, uh, by Benjamin, trying to, uh, uh, you know, um, avoid the situation that he did when he put, when he sold Joseph, yeah. <clears throat> Look, God is infinite, and God does not want to destroy people. He wants them to get Oilam Habor. You know, that, that's the concept of, the 13 uh, attributes of, of, of mercy, Racham V'chanun and so on, you know. So a person has to just approach God and say, listen, I don't know what to do. The only thing I can do is I can try to say, I'm really sorry, I regret, and I never will do it again, you know. The real tshuva and whatever, it's, I'm in your hands. And God will do it. He will have this guy uh, forgiven, you know, whatever it takes. God eventually will allow this person to have the kapara see, which is very important, you know. But I'm just saying, we don't realize today that a person can get millions of averis in, 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 in five minutes. It would take a lifetime for a person to accumulate that many sins. Uh, and today a guy can do it in one day, easily. Uh, talked about it, somebody was talk, asking him, somebody, didn't even, somebody already did it, he posted a review about a Jewish company online. An online review. What, what are you th he posted an online, a negative online review. A review of what? Of a Jewish company because of the way he was treated. Uh -huh. I was wondering that. Revenge. It's, it's not revenge. You had a bad experience, so you know, just the the way of things nowadays is you post a review. So the person didn't even realize he he the rub was trying to get him to to realize what he did. Yeah, he was just uh, spread the Lashonara. So, so, so the person... There's no toilets in this. The, the funny thing, as Rob was saying this, he, he was... He was shaking his head, I could understand. He said, I never thought I would hear this, this phrase. Yeah. The guy had said to him, but it's true. Well... And the, the, Rav, the Rav immediately said to him, that's the one thing that everybody knows. The one rule in Lashonara that everybody knows is that it's even if it's true. Even if it's true. That's the first sentence in the Chavetz Chaim. Afilu em is Gomor. It's Lashonara. Of course, you know. Uh, of course. What, and, and he posted online how many people <coughs> watched 
Uh, how, how many people saw that uh, well, if review? Well, if they were looking for that kind of business, so, you know, they were asking advice, you know, should I do business with such and such person? So isn't that Toelis already? No, because it's his opinion. You don't know if it's true. How do you know if it's true or not? That's his opinion. Maybe it was fine because he was incompetent. You're not giving the other side a chance to defend themselves. So how could you believe what this guy is saying well, is true? And believe me, they'll all believe it's true. If somebody, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm thinking of doing business with so-and-so. Yeah. Do you have any experience with so-and-so? Do you think I should become his partner? You know, what do you think? And I said, no, he cheated me. Fine. But remember, that's his opinion. Right? You I'm cannot, giving, you know, it's... Give me my opinion. What happened? But he's got to say, it's my opinion what happened. Uh -huh. You see? But uh, that doesn't make it definitive. You're allowed to believe, you are allowed to be chayshesh. You, in other words, if somebody tells you something, we're getting into the laws of Lashonar, but, you know, you're, you're allowed to suspect that maybe this happened. That's the guy who's, but the guy who's saying it, the guy who's saying, no, I had business with him and he didn't treat me right. Don't you do business with him? You asked me. I'm telling you. Stay Fine. away from this guy. Fine. So then, say anything wrong? No, but then, but the, the 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 guy who's asking him, the guy is prompting this guy to say lashon hara. Yeah. You see, so if this guy says, "Listen, you know," he has to qualify. Mm -hmm. He has to say, "Listen, you know." As far as my experience is, if you want to do business with him, I did not have a good experience with him. Mm -hmm. You know, so he he's allowed to say that. Because he means it for Tuellis. Mm -hmm. You see, <clears throat> but the guy asking him, he has to say, I want you to tell me about your experience with this company, whatever, because I'm thinking of doing. So he's saying that's the Tuellis. Isn't that the online review? You're thinking of going to that guy's store? No. So you look at the review, and he says, I didn't have a good experience. No, I don't know what the guy, I, don't, I have no idea what the guy posted. The, the, the seven conditions also. Oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of short. It's all, you, you know. Um, you have to know what you're doing before you speak Lashon Hara. It's like, I mean, the, the, the greatest condition, obviously, has to be beneficial. Mm -hmm. You know, and so on. But there are many other uh, c conditions that have to be met also, you know. Right. It's not simple, you know. Uh, what I'm trying to bring out is that today, it, it, you know, it would have taken a lifetime to accumulate mm -hmm. a majority of bad things. And today, you can do it in one day. People have no idea of how dangerous the internet is for those people, you know, that want to blog, you know, or just talk and talk. It's, it's beyond belief what a guy can do today. You see, and there never was. Watching this, if you turn on the news, they're bad-mouthing each other like crazy. Yeah. Uh, so well, are you guilty too for listening to the news? Well, uh, again, you know that I don't want to get into the halakhas of Lashon Hara. That's not what this, you know what we're doing. Here, you know, that's really what it is. But all I'm saying is the what used to take years and years to accumulate sins that would have made a majority of those sins can now be done in one day, less five minutes, ten minutes, and there are people that do this all day long. So what they're doing is they are they are f playing around with their eternity. They have no idea. The risk that they're taking is terrible, you know. So God is going to, when they get to the, you know, the uh, judgment, God says, what did you do? The guy's going to have to defend himself, or his angel is going to have to defend him. You know, he better have hire a great lawyer. You know, I don't know if angels uh, put out their shingles, but uh, he's going to have to have a very good malach up there 
you know, saying, well, my guy really did this, and so on, you know. But today, you can jeopardize your eternity, your ilam haba, in one day. This never happened before. That's why the internet is one of the most dangerous things ever made by man. Because, like I say, it can jeopardize your eternity. Ten minutes. You're finished. You know? At the same time, if you give a shear in the internet, you know, you can get an eternity also. You know, if thousands of people listen to a shear, wow. You know, and then they move and they, then they tell other people and their kids and so on. You know, what works one way works the other way also, you know. But today you have to, you have to be extremely careful about saying anything about anybody on the internet. You know, as soon as you talk about a third person and you say his name, you have to be very careful about what you say. And it has nothing to do with it if it's true. It's Lashonara even if it's true, you know. That internet has to be looked at as one of the most dangerous things you can ever deal with. You don't realize it's, it's toxic for your Oilam Habo, you know. Yeah, like I said, anyway. Yeah, so. Good. I didn't say no, did I? Of course it's good. I'm saying that the internet. It be good or bad. But it's more than that. A lot of things can be good or bad. But this could be bad that it could destroy your Oilam Habo in one day, in 10 minutes. That's not bad. That is one of the greatest destructive instruments ever known. Right? The, the ability is, is, just be, is staggering, you know? And then you have all this in, incredible lush and horror going on with, in politics and so many other things. It is beyond belief. The world suffers from an unbelievable, uh, uh, you know, party of lush and horror. It goes on all the time. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's astounding what goes on. You know, people have no idea. They are playing around with their eternity. Really playing around with it. Anyway, so that's the concept of Gehenim. And like I say, there are three judgment periods. And the last one is the big one. It's called the great, awesome, the great and awesome day of judgment, you know? And that's when everything you ever did in all your lifetimes is tallied up to decide do you have a majority of good right and a minority of bad or vice versa and so on and then you're dealt accordingly you know what is, that is the attribute of justice what does Gehenim Kalim mean? what that means like for instance a mulchin somebody who informs on a person to the government a government authority where a government can destroy you they can't, you know. Uh, is um, so the the uh, Chazal say that the sin is so bad that Gehenna will end long before their need for suffering will end. It just illustrates how bad it is. What does that mean? Meaning, what is just what what satisfies justice, for example? Well, what will happen obviously is Gehenna won't end for them, you know. But it means that it's so bad that even Gehenim cannot be machaper, cannot expiate that type of a sin. That's how bad it is. Gehenim, I mean, it, you know, just go on and on. But, you know, they're just saying that even Gehenim is going to have a difficult time keeping up to atone for what they, these guys did. It's terrible. Malchin is, 
I mean, it's one of the blessings, the brachas of Shmona Esrei. Yeah. We can smile, what the said, uh, the fire of Gehenim is figurative, but we do see Chazal, Amr Chazal, that like uh, Yashka, they say he's burning. There's a Midi Kenega Midi in the judgment. <coughs> Yashka's burning in yeah. Shekhar's area, and Titus is burning him. He said, because he said, so is that figurative also? Yeah, that's a figure, yeah, yeah. But there is a Midi Kenega Midi that the Gehenim yeah, should yeah, match. Yeah. Yes. Yashka was a mush, you know, was a or whatever. Whatever, but no, no, those are figurative. I mean, there's a correspondence to that in Gehenim. There is some kind of burning in... Yeah, there is a correspondence to that type of Gehenim that they're experiencing. You know, it doesn't mean literally these things, but whatever the correspondence is in Gehenim to those substances in terms of what they're uh, suffering from. Teresa, yeah. Like the Kavos Chai said, you don't put on Tzvillin, it'll be armless, or you come sign, breathe it down. Well, yeah, well, well, yeah, but that's a lifetime of not putting on film, you know. Well, no, yeah, I'm saying, so there is some kind of media connection. Yes, uh, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a whole uh, structure of what punishments correspond to which sins, and, and so on, sure, of course, you know. What about the other way around? We said the Gehinnom was here for the minority, which is... Uh, no, what about this one? Did 51, 59, 40, uh, 51, 49. 51 which? Good or bad? and good and 51 bad. Yeah. Is there enough pleasure in the world to give him reward on the 49 or was there some kind of a <coughs> Ganeden for Roshoyim or something? Ganeden for Roshoyim. I would imagine that, you know, uh, that uh, somebody's got 49% good and 51% evil that the Rosham is going to do, he's going to push him over. You know, because there are many ways, good has many different concepts. You know, you can get in, uh, uh, not only on your own deeds, but on your parents' deeds. You know, or your kids. If your kids are very good, they will get you into Ganeden. So the There's limit? so many, you know. So what's the you, mean, I, it's like, you know, you know it, we don't know. It's so infinitely complex, you know. I mean, God knows exactly, it's not a number, you know, it's, the, it's not just the quantity, it's the quality, but it's a situation in your, who your kids are, your parents were, not in who you're associated with. You know, if you have a good friend who's very righteous, that'll help you get in. You, there are so many variables here, it's, it's, it's impossible to figure out. But I would imagine that if God can get you in, He will get you in. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you know, in the end, it's his decision, you know? He knows, as Ram Khal's going to say, he knows exactly what you need to have to get into Ilam Abba. Below that, no. So, it's, like I say, it's not, it's not a matter of number, it's a matter of quality, quantity, and so many other variables that, that are entered into it. In the end, it's, it's an interesting thing, you know? There are two concepts here. There are the deeds itself, what you do, right? Then there's the what's called the um, uh, the uh, the the inclination of your heart, you know. If a person is a good person deep down, <coughs> I don't know how deep you go, but if a person is a good person, where he's a he's a good person, you know, it's, he doesn't want to do evil, even if he does. He doesn't want to be bad, you know. He doesn't want to uh, do good. But for whatever reason, it's hard for him, or he can't do it, or the situation doesn't allow him, whatever it is. In the end, the Rebbe looks at 
your heart. You know, he looks at your heart, you know. He, it's not a matter of he, he looks at your deed and desire. God does not play gotcha. I gotcha. He doesn't do that. He looks at your heart. If he sees really you're a good guy, even if you have a lot of bad deeds, it doesn't make a difference. Look, there's a Rivad who says this. The Rivad says, I think I mentioned it. The Rivad says that um, by Yom Kippur, uh, Rosh Hashanah, that what God looks at is not so much your deeds. He looks at you. Are you do you have a good heart? And he says, he actually says this, even if the person's majority of deeds is bad, bad doesn't mean uh, bad can be you know, he did a lot of averes, you know, and so on. But what God does, he looks at the person in, in, in the sense of what's the, the inclination, the pattern of this individual. And if he's good, then <coughs> he's dealt with in a very good way. If he's bad, then obviously God is much more strict with him and so on. So in the end, I would say it's not a matter of deeds. In the end, it's what type of a person are you? Do you have a, are you good, basically? Are you decent? You know what I'm saying? And, uh, or, you know, or, or not. There's some people when you speak to them, you can feel that this, this guy's a rotten person. I mean, he's really bad. You, you can feel the evil coming out of him. You know, as, uh, as they say in Yiddish, ah, schlechter Mensch. You know, a schlechter Mensch means he's a bad guy. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, you, you could feel the, 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 the hate, the anger, you know, the desire to, to, the power, the desire to harm. You could feel it. You see, that's no good. But if you speak to a guy where he's a decent guy, He's a nice guy, a decent guy, even if he sins a lot. In the end, God looks at that. But you're born and with wait, And therefore, no, you're born with temperament. You're not born with personality. There's a difference. In the end, that's what God looks at. After the years you've been living on the earth for many years, what kind of a guy are you really deep down, you know? Have you developed a sense of fairness, of goodness, uh, you know? where you're a decent, nice guy, and so on, you know? Or you're really a rotten guy down there. You can feel that. There are differences, you know? And in the end, that's what God judges. So, if a guy's a good guy, but he's got a majority of sins, you know, let's say he ate trefus all day long, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, you know, but basically, he was decent to his fellow man, he will get gun aid. May take a while. May take a while, right? He may have to go several trips to Gehenna, maybe a couple of different levels, whatever, the, you know, wherever it's in store from, you know. But in the end, God says, okay, a guy like you, you're in Ghanaian. I'll just clean you up. That's all. You know, get rid of a lot of the dirt and schmutz. Most Jews and so on. The overwhelming majority of Jews, I mean overwhelming, will be in Ghanaian and therefore they will be in Ilm Habo, you know. Um, unfortunately, you know, the, the, a very, very small percentage of Jews will not get into Olam Habo, although I think the Baal Shem Tov says that uh, every Jew will make it into Olam Habo. Every Jew.
Because they have, they have, because like I said, as we will see later, even if you don't have the ability to get into Ilm on your own, there are many ways to get you in because some tzaddik assumed some of your suffering. And that, that's also part of it, yeah. What tzaddikim can assume some of your suffering, so therefore they removed it, you know, or in some way you were able to help some guy, even though it's very far and distant, you know, and, and so on, you know. Um, so the overwhelming majority, it's 99.99%, will get into Ilm Haba in terms of Jews. The Baal Shem Tov, if I remember correctly, says everyone will get into Ilm Haba. Because God has the ability to get everybody in, no matter who you are, you know, and basically, you know, because, uh, and so on, you know. Unfortunately, with non-Jews, you don't find that, you know. Um, many non-Jews are not good, you see, they're not good, and therefore, uh, there are many non-Jews that are good, you know. But there are many non-Jews, I mean, you, sometimes you can really find evil. I mean, you hear stories about certain politicians. I mean, you could feel the evil coming out of that guy, you know. That's bad for that guy. That guy's playing around with his eternity and so on, you know. But uh, in the end, I think, I basically, uh, most, I think most of mankind will get into Ilm Habbo. Yes. Because God doesn't want any human being to be annihilated. Because they're his, the works, like he said, Maisi Yodail is, you know, Maisi when the, uh, the Egyptians were dying, and they were bad. And the Egyptians to the Jews, they were really bad, you know. I mean, they made them suffer terribly. So when they were drowning in the Red Sea, in the, you know, the Red Sea, so God said, the angels were singing Shira, song. God said, don't sing. Why? Because these are my handiwork. You, I'm not joying, I'm not happy because I'm destroying my handiwork. This is terrible. You see, so they stopped. And that's why in Hallel, we don't say two of the uh, chapters, uh, and be, uh, you know, in Hallel, uh, on Pesach. That indicates that God does not want to destroy and annihilate, really, anybody. Really. So I believe that most of mankind, in some way or another, probably will get into Ilm Haba. We're not talking about levels, remember. What level they're at is a different story. Uh, and so on. But probably there will be a significant amount of people, you know, whatever the percentage that is, that will never make it. I mean, they, because they are really rotten. Bad, evil, have committed tremendously evil deeds. That is just, uh, and so on. Inexcusable. How do you get in if you have to said that without a connection yeah. to a Jew of some sort. Because in some way, think about that, you know. But he still gave him a chance with sukkah. You know, even, even though they did it for themselves, God still gave him a break. What did he give him a break for? You know, okay, try again. We may try again. You know, justice says, it's over with, you know. Because in the end, the Muslim does not want to annihilate. Yeah, but in that you know? they fail. Yeah, they fail. Yeah, they and fail. And Almighty laughs at them, so he's just showing them you don't have what it takes. Yes, but the question is, does that mean they never made it? You know, look, <clears throat> you never know, you know, because in the end, remember, the, even though the Bosham says everything is based on justice, but God has infinite mercy. 
infinite, you know, and we don't we don't understand the the the, the what's it, we don't understand the lengths that he goes through or to to get a guy and give him eternity, and he really does. So you know. Anyway, listen. But whatever happens, you know, it will be based on uh, obviously in the end it's really justice and so on. Question is the many different ways of earning justice and so on, you know. But uh, this is basically what happens, you know. So in the end, remember, it's not so much your deeds. In the end, it's who you are. What type of a person have you become, you see? And, and in many ways, that will determine will God assist you in whatever way to get in or just wipe you out, you know. Anyway, okay. Okay, so I think we've had a, a, a nice uh, understanding of what Gehenim is, where it is, how it is, and so on and so forth, you know. And, um, um, but, but I think in the end, you know, God has placed, put into place many different what's called contingency plans, you know, to help people get into Ilam Habo, you know. Because the will of God is not to deny people Ilam Habo. It's just that there's certain conditions. The will of God isn't... I mean, that's when you think about the incredible difference between the, you know, the so many religions where you have to pacify God not to kill you. If you think about that, the Aztecs, you know, the, all the, the Mayans used to say human sacrifice. And there's so many religions that believe that God is vengeful. You know, like God is waiting up there, going like this, I'm going to get you, you know. That, that's what they, they believe, that God is a vengeful God. I mean, it's what Christianity is based on. He had to send his, uh, you know, his, um, what do you call the guy, his firstborn, or whatever you call the guy, you know. Uh, because God is vengeful. It's not what kind of nonsense is this. God is vengeful. Well, the comma is in between two names of Hashem. What? The comma is in between the two names of Hashem. Well, the comma means justice, means then, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's not God, mm -hmm. you know. That concept of God as being, you know, a being that's just waiting to do you in, you know, and just counting his, uh, his chops, licking his chops, waiting to do you in, that is not the concept of a Jewish God, you know. The, the, the mercy, the Rachmanus of the Rabbanu Shalom, the chesed, the kindness of God is infinite. And that extends to all mankind, really, all mankind. Oh yeah, he can get tough, don't get me wrong. God can get very tough, you know. But it's always clothed and covered in tremendous amount of love, kindness. Because that is what God is. He's a really a God of love, kindness, and infinite mercy. So if a person says, listen, you know, you know, I, I've, done, I, I've gone through life, it's a crazy life, who knows how much bad I've done, you know. But do me a favor, you know, you're my father. Get me in. What's God going to say? No. Fathers don't say no. You know, they say, okay, I'll get you in. I'm going to have to put you through the washing machine. Fine. But I'll get you in. If that's the way you feel, no problem. That's the Jewish God.